Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Cubs Related Podcast. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Wednesday, February 2nd. Brendan, it is February. It and is. And there's still no baseball. Yeah. So no we, baseball. We should be about two weeks, something like that, from spring training we we did get uh the the wonderful folks over at obvious shirts tweeted out today that that photo of the big orange truck leaving wrigley field which is <sighs> usually symbolic of the the spring and spring training being right around the corner and the equipment is on its way so it, it is still on its way but to whom uh who, you know will be receiving it we we don't know but uh yeah, it's an interesting time, Brendan. Well, if they, you know, if they need other people to like take rounders, I can take some of those. I knew baseball you were going to say that. <laughs> you set me up, Corey. You set me up for that. Right. But it, 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 it is. Uh, it's, it's bittersweet. Now, I was talking with a really good Cubs follow, somewhat new to Twitter, uh, Rich Beisterfeld, who I got the opportunity to meet in Mesa a couple months ago. He did say that minor league camp is still going to be going on. There's still going to be action. So despite the major league, guy, major league guys not being there, you know, if you're interested in going out to, the, to Mesa, seeing what it's like, there, there still will be Cubs baseball. And for, for me, going to spring, seeing those younger guys play, I like that the most. Of course, you want to see the, the big league guys and see how they look, but you don't get many opportunities to see like so close up all the top prospects. So at least we got that, Corey. At least there's like a silver lining, so to speak. At least. Yeah, right. And hopefully not more. Yeah, again, as we talked about, I mean, a lot of this hasn't changed. We'll talk a little bit about the, they they have been talking, the two sides have been talking. So we'll touch on a little bit of of where they are, but it's pretty much the same story. Like they're not making a lot of progress. There's some concessions being made or, or some loose progress, but it really has not gotten much of anywhere. And now, if you've kind of been following along the way we've been talking about it, it has gone from like, well, maybe they'll miss some games in spring training, but hopefully not, or this will be delayed. And as as we've gone along here, like the tone from the writers and, and people covering has, has pretty much switched to like, yeah, we're, yeah. we're probably going to miss at least some of the beginning of spring training and, and maybe some spring training games. So per usual, that's just disappointing. It's, it's, this is really that time of year. And, and I brought up that, that, picture um 
that Avia Shirts tweeted of of the truck leaving because it it's always, especially living in Chicago, so symbolic of like the the hope that that begins anew at every baseball season and especially in spring training when there's no records uh, for the regular season and everything is sort of just starting up because the picture is always like riddled with snow. It looks freezing. And then a few days later, we get the photo in sunny Arizona. The truck has arrived. The players are, are soon to follow. And it just, it feels... Uh, like the beginning of of the season, like something is is starting fresh, like a flower in bloom, Brendan. Right? And yeah, you know, seeing that picture today, you're like, oh, cool. Like this, you know, is just sort of when they have to get the stuff shipped out. So <laughs> it, it's just not as exciting. Yeah, it's. I can't believe they're even sending that stuff out. I mean, I guess you I assume have. they you have just, to. Yeah, yeah, out of ready. Like anticipation. Right. But I mean, it's kind of cruel to us to even be looking at that. It's like, oh, this, you know, this. If you're going to be sending out that stuff, give me some more positive news on these negotiations. But it kind of goes back to what I've been thinking for the past few weeks now. I know we got that positive report last week saying concessions were being made and there seems to be progress going forward, but it's kind of like a wait until you actually see it type deal. We've been through this route so many times and the COVID negotiations from two years ago is a good example. It's 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 gotten to the point where nothing should surprise you. And I kind of made that mistake like earlier on in the offseason where I thought like there's no way they're gonna be delaying spring training and I still somewhat think there's no way they'll they'll be delaying opening day but if I've learned anything over the past you know two years and just following the sport over the past two decades now it's it's always always something to consider that don't be surprised by what these negotiations and what these owners are capable of doing it it sucks it's really unfortunate right and you know now you kind of enter into that space where if some of this stuff is delayed, obviously we talked last week about the Cubs prospect camp that they were doing and, and what a great initiative that is. And if you follow a lot of these guys on social media, you know, I sent you, Brendan, a, a photo of uh, Marcus Stroman. He's been working out, I, th- I think it's a college or a high school that he's been frequenting out in California to get his his arm ready and oh is and that do, the uh the no the no shoes yes yeah he was yeah. He, he was yeah, i, I like think that. he said it it helps him improve balance or something like does that. it though does it hey like, i trust love... look i trust him more than I you know. i know you're freaking you're right. out that he's you're gonna right. get hurt but well i'm just worried about his ankles I, yeah. you know it's like you can't balance with a shoe on but you know you do your thing marcus uh, he's gotten pretty far in life not listening yes. to you so i think we're gonna go with marcus stroman's uh yes. training regimen here i think it's fine but you do get to kind of the point now, and we saw this a lot in 2020 and even kind of that spilling over into 2021, where if you do delay pitchers and catchers arriving, spring training games, things like that, now you have to figure out how to get people in shape on their own, right? And it's a yeah. little different than the pandemic shortened season in 2020 because that was so messed up because you had everybody getting ready on a normal timeline in spring training and then shutting it down and then having to restart that. And so that's obviously why that was particularly problematic for a lot of the players. But this is going to create similar hurdles. Like it, it should be 
easier and better for a lot of the guys in terms of their health and their readiness because at least at the moment you're still hoping to be on track for opening day even if how we get there is a little weird so like you still are on that timeline you still know it's going to be 162 games at the moment right we'll see where everything goes which wasn't the case in 2020 but if you know MLB players aren't allowed at the complex they're not allowed to have contact with each other and or the you know the the organization and the players and stuff like that you're gonna have to figure out like how to get everybody kind of on the same page when you're not able to do that in person and as you normally would. Yeah, I mean, you think about the the pitching consequences of not having a normal spring training. I, I remember in the past with John Lester, I forgot the exact quotes or what he was saying, but he he really emphasized the usefulness of having you know like a six week ramp up and. I'm thinking of what does this mean for Stroman? What does this mean for Wade Miley? Two newcomers who have yet to get a chance to work with Wilson and Tommy Adovi and that Cubs pitching infrastructure as a unit in, in a serious daily manner. And like my concern level with that is relatively low, but at the same time, you don't know what you're missing and you don't know if there's going to be changes that the Cubs identify or there's ways that communication and being on the same page can be bolstered with Wilson and the and and Wade Miley and Marcus Stroman like that stuff really sucks and also too just the enjoyment of seeing Stroman and Wade Miley uh, throw bullpens you get all the that type of access you normally don't get during the regular season and from like a PR perspective where the Cubs are trying to get more fan involvement after losing their most you know, arguably historical players in in an era, last trade deadline. It it sucks both from like a media fan perspective, but also I'm kind of thinking, what will they be missing with not having Strowman and Wade Miley get a full spring training with their new team? All right, so here's what we do, Brendan. If if they're not allowed to go to the facility and all that and work with the coaches or whatever the rules are. 2020, we saw the compound, right? 2022, the mega compound. All right, stick with me here. All the MLB roster players get (laughs) an even bigger mansion to work out in, make content, the whole nine yards, and that's how they kind of come together as a team. It's possible. I mean, you can go out in Paradise Valley, Arcadia, like that area, like Camelback, get a huge mansion, have Jason Hayward pay for it. You know, he's got all that money in the world. Let's get this going. You know, maybe even build a baseball diamond in one of those back guards. There's plenty of room out there. Jay Hay and David Ross, they probably would foot the bill for all of that too. Let's do it. There's all those stories about them taking care of guys and stuff like that. I I bet they really would. Um, But no, like I'm, I'm, joking obviously but But you but you will have to see something like that like as you mentioned at some point like and they don't have to do this we'll see how they approach this but you know you would sort of hope to see like okay if it's going to be a shortened spring training you're not going to be able to work out together in 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 the complex and as you normally would you're obviously going to hope that at some point Wilson and the the starting staff and 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 some of those other bullpen pitchers and stuff get together and and start to work together and figure some things out like there's obviously ways to organize that but it's going to be interesting to see how teams might handle that because like obviously you know if you shorten things so much like a couple weeks 
to work together, you can figure it out. These are professionals. They've been playing baseball yeah. their whole lives. But, yeah. you know, certainly, and we've seen it in the, in the past few years, there's an obvious benefit to these guys being around one another, being able to learn from one another, building those relationships, building that kind of like team camaraderie and stuff that you'd be completely removing. If it comes to yeah. it, the players don't kind of take it into their own hands. And I'm thinking too, more consequentially, perhaps, is the bullpen. You look at like Cody Hoyer, who was working on a a new breaking pitch and a new fastball towards the tail end of last season. And so for him specifically, that sucks. He can't continue to work on those pitches in the optimal way as he normally would if there were a normal spring training. And then in the same way, you have like, Brad Week, for example, who's coming back from another injury, and we don't know the consequences of that injury as some of his pitch peripherals that you normally would capture with all that technology. Well, he's not going to be able to use that. So it does kind of delay, maybe delay those guys' progress. And I'm thinking, okay, what does that mean for the bullpen then? Does that influence how Jed then goes out in free agency to sign more veteran pitchers? He did allude to this a few weeks ago saying that maybe veteran relievers on the free Asian market will be something he looks at before the season actually starts. So that that aspect to me, I think is the most influential of a delayed spring training because it would be nice even when pitchers and catchers report, you know, in mid-February, not all free agents would have signed anyway. So to get an idea from day one, okay, what does Brad Wick look like with coming off these injuries? How is Cody Hoyer progressing off of his off-season routines? You don't get those data points. You don't get that information right away. And that might have informed what Jed goes out and ends up doing. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see. But as really, I think the whole point here is as we get a kind of clearer picture that there's obviously extreme doubt now that all of this starts on time, this is one of those things you have to start considering is what does it look like for these guys in a lockout to prepare for the season? Um, and at this point, again, a season that looks like it is planning to start on time and be the normal length, but maybe not exactly the normal path to I mean don't be surprised if it doesn't right I mean again I keep reminding myself of this is there there aren't many boundaries I've learned right even the the COVID process of a 60 game season and all the players arguing saying we're ready we're ready we're ready like that that was that was kind of a jolt to Mm -hmm. how I think this type of negotiations work so I I am I am genuinely concerned that we're going to be missing baseball games like from the owners the difference between 150 games and 162 games may be worth risking to get a worthwhile deal in their minds for the next five years I am scared about that Corey also worth noting we've talked about like whatever you think of David Ross's managerial abilities aside, whether you love him, hate him, are indifferent on him, uh, you know, your opinion is your opinion. What a, like, challenging first three years to break into being a manager, especially for for someone who didn't gather up all that coaching experience prior to taking the job. Like, whatever you think about him as an in-game manager, you've got to at least give him credit that this is a really unorthodox and difficult way to to have to kind of get your managerial legs under you. He starts with a shortened 
pandemic, no fans, completely unique season, right? Amidst, you know, at the, at the same time, worrying about the health and everything else going on in the world, just like, just like we all were. And then in 2021, he's dealt like, hey, here's like some franchise <laughs> legends that are also your friends and guys you won the World Series with, and they're See probably going to be traded at the, you know, so like you you really need to nail this first half, dude, or it's going to be a bit of a mess. And now a, a, a sort of completely different hurdle. So if you're David Ross, I think you're, you're really hoping for like a, just a normal, let me let me try out a normal 162 game season like where everything is is just kind of standard that'd be really nice just like something you can actually project like have a consistent off season know that on this day baseball is going to happen and to know by June and July we're likely to have these players on our roster just some type of consistency and to your point like you can criticize his in-game management and we have like like a lot I think uh, but you do have to recognize these are very unique times. And he has, I think, overall, he's been a net positive. Getting those players, those pitchers specifically in the bullpen, progressing and working with Tommy Hadovy and the coaching staff and identifying ways to improve, moving on from you know Anthony Iaposti. Like, like he has made, I think, a lot of improvements to this team and, and to the attitude surrounding this team. I, I feel good about David Ross. It just sucks to see him go through these extreme circumstances. Yeah, I, I will. I That is a good point. Like, I will say that, um, again, and I think I've stated before, I'm like kind of like in the middle. Like, I don't really have a strong opinion of him. So when I say like whatever you think of him, I'm not implying that I think negatively of him as a manager. It's just, it, do, it doesn't matter to this context. I, I think whatever you think of him, you should give him credit for the way that the team, I think, generally has behaved and performed to a degree, obviously, right? Like, given these circumstances, like, we obviously would have liked them to perform better in 2021 and stuff like that, but they they were doing pretty well for a while, and then save for that long losing streak at yeah. the exact wrong time, maybe that team gets more of a chance. But like, given the fact that he's never managed prior to taking the Cubs job, and all of these outside circumstances that have been going on around him, I think the the preparedness and and just the general like attitude and vibe of the team is a, a testament to the way that yeah. he has managed, if nothing else. Yeah, and how he managed before the trade deadline last year, when you reflect on it, again, you can go into the nitty-gritty details about the guys he used out of the bullpen, but at the very least, there was a huge degree of urgency. And you remember the Cubs could not get their starters through five innings, like at all. So he understood that understood those games needed to be won and he went to his bullpen earlier and unfortunately did so so much that it may have exhausted them a little bit and that's why we saw you know Ryan Tapera get a little bit roughed up and, and injure himself towards that June month and that's kind of what happened but I think he did everything within his power like realistically to encourage that urgent mindset, to make the moves that do reflect a sense of urgency. Now, there was a certain infielder that I may was have just con- about to say that, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a certain infielder that kind of is a little weird, but they they had they had they had positional issues like the entire year. So it's it's 
I fully disagree with that, of course, but from a total standpoint, I'm not saying I'm his not name. Either. Even, you're, you're sound like you're about to say him, so don't say his name. But from like a totality standpoint, I think urgency was prioritized. We may have not seen that from past managers that early on in April and May. And because of that, I, I, I just like the vibe and the attitude that David Ross brings to the clubhouse and to this like this sense of winning right away. Yeah, I think either way, just an acknowledgement of like, these are pretty difficult circumstances. All the managers and teams in the league are dealing with them. They're not unique to the Cubs, but this is definitely a tough way to sort of like get your coaching experience. So I think it's yeah. just fair. And maybe to, it's good for him. Maybe it's good for him, right? Like to go through that type of- Well, that's of, what we'll uh, see, yeah. Volatility, yeah. I mean, like he's got everything thrown at him right away in the first couple of years so maybe it will be a good thing for him in the long run yeah and he's he's noted before that he likes to reflect on things and hopes to learn from things and you know we'll see if yeah. we see that and and those results are tangible or not so yeah. um one thing that and this kind of all ties together so what i what i want to talk about here is one of the things that seems to be clear in the negotiations and then take a look at um, the Fangraphs zips projections um, for the NL Central. Now, I'll I'll preface that like you guys know, like we're not always like big projection people, and and you're never taking them as like gospel or hey, forget the season because this computer system said this. Of course not, but I I do think they kind of inform a little bit of where we're at in this off season and do and they they will help us set the table a little bit for whenever that day comes where we click kind of very rapidly back into free agency and roster building for Jed Hoyer and the Cubs. So I want to take a, and I think they they tie together nicely. So the the first thing is in the proposals and I think we've mentioned this a little bit, but we it, it, John Heyman was reporting this today after the talks. It it does seem to be the case. Uh, he said it's it's assumed at this point by everybody that the DH is going to come to the National League. So I know at the yeah. beginning of the off season that was maybe not going to be a negotiating tactic, but here we are. The progress that they are being made, the the feel from these people is that it's going to be a DH league, right? Each side has a DH. Pitchers not hitting anymore. Yada yada. So. You and I have talked a lot, actually, because we have not had anything else to talk about on how important that is, particularly for the Cubs and also for Jed Hoyer as he's looking at filling out this roster. So we don't necessarily have to go all the way into that again, but we can we can touch on on some of the things. Um, but I do think that ties nicely into, you know, when we eventually get back to roster building, the key is that it's just going to provide more flexibility to Jed. And I also think it's going to make what he does a lot more interesting. Um, at least th- that's just my read on the situation. Because as we've talked about, Brendan, like there's a few guys on this team that if there is no DH, which again is is sounding like it is not going to be the case, you have to pick a lane going into the season. Like either Frank Schwindel's your starting first baseman or he doesn't have anywhere else to play, Right. And I guess you could decide that he's going to be a bench guy and see if that bat catches fire, but then are you bringing in another first baseman, right? It gets a little trickier, right? Nico Horner, we talked about him last week or a couple weeks ago. Jed Hoyer loves the flexibility, kind of non-committal on whether he's uh, the everyday shortstop, that, that type of thing. If you don't have the DH, you have to be a little more sure of where you're playing him on a regular basis. Same with Nick Madrigal, right? We talked about the Wilson yep. Contreras, Jan Gomes situation and the flexibility that that brings. So 
I, I think if if we can, you know, kind of more confidently say that there is going to be a DH as much, he's not playing anymore, but as much as I loved watching John Lester crank oppo home runs, I do think that this is a positive for this iteration of the Chicago Cubs if Jed Hoyer uses that flexibility in building out the rest of this roster. Well, that's the that's It's challenge. a big if. It is, yeah. because right now, looking at the DH projections for the Cubs, you can just rank by list. And it's not fair because free agency is like not even halfway full yet. But if you just organize from top to bottom, the Cubs right now, by projected war, if there were a DH, would be 24th in Major League Baseball, given their current roster. So if there is a DH, if you want to compete, you have to make a move. Like, that's just... That's just necessary to keep up to par with the other teams in the division. So what does that mean? Well, like you said with Frank Schwindel, in in my mind, if you go out and sign a first baseman that that has to play first base, that doesn't have much flexibility, then you put either that new signing in the DH spot or you have to move Frank to the DH spot. And then you have a not a huge issue, but you do have complications with playing Nico and Madrigal at second base if you also go out and sign a shortstop. So it's a really big challenge. I think overall, it could be something the Cubs can really take advantage of, as you said, with Jan Gomes and Wilson Contreras. In in my view, the ideal outcome for the DH is to use Jan Gomes and Wilson in that spot. And you don't have to use Jan Gomes as a DH, I'm not saying that, but you can shift over Wilson to keep his bat in the lineup to DH, rest his legs. He's caught some of the most innings in professional baseball the last five years now. And by doing so, when he's not in that DH spot, then you go out and maybe you sign some type of utility player that you can shuffle around the diamond, even when that guy is not in the DH spot when Wilson is. That's kind of my ideal outcome. I want to use the DH spot to create flexibility, but the Cubs may not have a choice. If like if they have to go out and improve shortstop because they're not comfortable with their current options, especially with Nico's kind of volatile projections, you sign a shortstop like Correa, you're kind of putting Nico and Madrigal at second base and you're limiting the flexibility a little bit with what you can do for that DH. And if that's the case, if that's what it takes to get Correa, then it's worth it. But it is going to be a delicate situation that Jed has to balance. And for yeah. me, again, just to emphasize here, for me, I've said this for years now. I'm like really concerned about Wilson's stamina because he's catching so many innings. And if he's going to be a middle-of-the-order bat, that's a huge ask right. for your catcher when you go into September. So to me, like let's let's protect him by using the DH. Right. I, I think that's in in addition to the the flexibility that certainly depends on who's ultimately on the roster. I think the best use of the DH, the most beneficial use of the DH is exactly that to improve Wilson Contreras's overall season, right? Like we've just seen the toll that it takes on him physically to be at the top of the leaderboard in terms of pitches caught every year or close to it. And you you went out and got Gomes for the purpose of rectifying a mistake that you made 
yeah. last year, especially in not having a quality backup, like a real quality backup, which Gomes is. So you did that. You already made that move, not even being sure that there would be a DH. But if there is, it makes that move even better because you can utilize that position to really figure out, okay, how do we maximize? We want Wilson behind the dish. He's made he's made strides in his pitch framing. He's got a rocket attached to his, his body for an arm. Like, you want him out there managing the pitching staff, but how do we best balance this now that we do have a real, legit, quality backup catcher and get the most out of Wilson, protect him, and, and allow him to hit that you know, 99th percentile outcome for overall contribution to the team. And I think that's the best usage of it. But it, I I think it it benefits the Cubs, at least in my mind, hypothetically, because we know that this team is probably going to look, you know, the Correa stuff, we'll see what happens, right? There's obviously some smoke there, but we'll see how that all turns out. Aside from that, we've heard a lot that it's going to be looking at short-term deals, guys who can come for a year or two, not affect the kind of long-term planning, but maybe contribute. And you can kind of put together a roster that if things hit, you can compete, right? Like, I think that the addition of the DH allows that strategy to be a little easier for Jed Hoyer. Obviously, there's another position on the field. Um, but we just know that the way this team is going to be constructed, you're going to have to hit on some things, right? You're going to need some of these outfielders that they've cobbled together to, to hit. And, and I don't mean, I I mean, I do mean literally hit, but like figuratively, (laughs) right? Like a bet, like you need Clint Frazier or Michael Hermosillo or, or some of these guys to, turn into guys, right, that that you can put in the lineup with regularity, or none of this is going to work, right? You need Patrick Wisdom and or Frank Schwindel and, you know, to continue what they were doing last year. It's it's not a team that was ever going to come into the season, even with some of these hypothetical moves, like it was in past years where it's like, these are the eight to 10 guys that are out there in the field every day, and it doesn't really change that much. You kind of knew there was going to be platoons. There was going to be guys that were not playing every day or mixing and matching positions and stuff like that. And so I think the DH maybe combined with the fact that this offseason might have to move a little quickly when it does come back around, I'm hoping that that all leads to Jed being able to scoop up some interesting guys that can sign yeah. for one or two years, you know, maybe three, whatever their limit is, right? But then it it's going to be on David Ross to mix and match these guys successfully, but that there would be a, a path to doing that. That would be the hope, I think. Yeah. It, I mean, the other teams will be improving that spot as well. So that that's why I kind of brought up the current situation in terms of their, their war projection being 24th in, in Major League Baseball. They have... They have a lot of room to grow in in that positional depth, but even more so to use that depth for a DH spot. But at the same time, they have so much money that they can spend in the short term that, to your point, maybe you do have a player, for example, like Kyle Schwarber, who didn't have the best year defensively in left field. They did. uh, The Red Sox did move him to first base. That did not really look that great. But you can think of a scenario where the Cubs do have this short-term flexibility 
And from Schwarber's perspective, you know, kind of bet on yourself again, like, and do so, you know, by having more opportunities to be in a DH spot, to have more at-bats, you know, the Cubs situation, you can still maybe play left field. So I can see situations like Schwarber's, and I only bring that up just because he does have that flexibility, and the Cubs do have that type of money. And there's other guys that might fit that scenario as well, like maybe Castellanos, maybe not so much, but you can look at the outfield group right now, and there's uh, just on MLB uh, on trade rumors. You can see like a dozen guys that that do make sense. So it's all to say is from Jed's perspective, there is an opportunity here, but you have to be creative. And from uh, a fan's perspective, from my perspective, first and foremost, use it to, pr- to protect Wilson, and after that, use it to to ensure flexibility from your defensive standpoint because right now yeah. the outfield is kind of a it's kind of a mess in terms of projections yeah I I think yeah again I I'm, I'm totally with you I think how you utilize Wilson should be priority number one but you know again hopefully priority number two is the the volatility is going to be there right the the extreme kind of outcomes and standard deviations if you know do it do i sound like brendan when i say stuff like that i mean a little bit. uh the the listeners do like, I wait a minute like that? is that core sa- oh no you sound worse i sound worse i didn't say anything I, I, about z scores or you know horizontal axes and stuff like that well you did right now i haven't brought up z scores in like a long time or st- I, 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 think it, I think if you have to say that to defend yourself, you, <laughs> you're probably the nerdier one on, on the podcast. But, you know, look, like you're smarter than me. I so. mean, I played base. Did you play baseball, Corey? I played baseball. How does that make me the nerdier one? I'm just saying. It's like a valid point. You always bring that up, but I still have that in my back pocket. I guess that's true. I, I don't yeah. I don't really have a retort to that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. See, there you go. So you may be the nerdier one. Anyway, the the two of us bickering aside, um, the the this the the range of outcomes for this team is almost assuredly going to be really big, right? In past years, you kind of went into the season knowing like this is probably a playoff team, like unless there's something catastrophic, like this team is going to make the playoffs. They're going to be up in the top of the division, top of the National League, just sort of depends on exactly where and how some of those those chips fall, right? Like this team, they, they need to improve. Like right now, the range of outcomes skews definitely toward the, the end that we don't want it to be on. But with some extra moves, it opens it up. It's going to be that way, and it's going to be on David Ross and Jed Hoyer to kind of figure out how to manage it all. But I, I think kind of the, the overall point is that especially with the DH and who's out there in free agency and stuff like that, I do think that they can end up in a spot where you you can hit on those things and this team can be competitive. So I, I think that that's a good transition to these Zips projections. Uh, again, they're just computer projections. It's the off season's not even done, so this isn't gospel. Like, we're not writing anything off. You shouldn't. You guys get it, all right? You know how I feel about this stuff. But it is a, a, a sort of useful guide of where fan graphs in particular kind of views the teams in the division. And I think it kind of can help us see where we might need to go once the offseason does end. So the looking at them right now, they have St. Louis in first at 89 wins. Milwaukee in second at 88 wins, Cincinnati 
in third, 80 wins. Cubs in fourth at 76, and the loser Pittsburgh Pirates all the way in the bottom where they always are uh, with 68. So (laughs) there's a lot to dissect here, and obviously so many moves need to be made. Uh, You know, one thing in particular that stands out is the Reds have kind of been going the sell-off direction, and they maybe aren't done with that. So that record maybe gets worse in terms of these projections. What, what stands out to me and why I think it's relevant to our conversation is that it does highlight something we know, that is, th- if the Cubs want to be competitive, they, they could show up with the team they have right now and maybe things all go great. Frank Schwindel is exactly who he was in the second half. Patrick Wisdom has ironed out some of that K-rate stuff and he's just pumping home runs, you know, his his unbuttoned shirt flowing in the breeze. Clint Frazier comes over and is the prospect that the Yankees always dreamed of and they're pulling their hair out that he's now doing this for the Chicago Cubs, right? It could happen. But what this highlights, at least to me, Brendan, is that the Cubs have a good bit of work to do to get them in a, themselves in a position where you'd go into this season saying, yeah, I confidently believe this team has a legit chance of finding themselves in competition for the playoffs. Yeah. If you, if you look across the board, where, where are the biggest problems the Cubs have right now? And that's towards the back end of their rotation. So there's not a confident projection for Alzelay. There's not a confident projection for... Alec Mills, and then of course after those two, other guys on the depth chart just don't quite cut it. The guys that do have confident projections are going to be Stroman and Miley and and Hendricks, and they're going to be two plus WAR projection guys. Uh, you're not going to have that type of ace level projection, but that's not to say any of or really maybe Wade Miley, but specifically Kyle Hendricks and Stroman. They've had seasons in the past, not so distant in the past, that they were really successful and had high-level, top-tier war in, in this league. And then the second aspect of these projections, you look over to the outfield, Corey Ryfield is a disaster. Like, like they, they rate Hayward's projected war as 1.0. Like, that that's... That's really that's basically replacement level. If we're going to talk about this, I I, um, I don't want to I don't want to derail you too much. But I, dude, I really hope they're not going to mess around with that. Like his his role is what it is at this point. But you know, we've gone into these seasons sometimes where he does get like significant playing time. They talk about how they're like hoping it's going to ter- like just Kim. I I really need to be done with this man. Seriously, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen though. Like he got playing time in situations where it was very confusing last year so I I don't know I mean they value his leadership and his no and, and I think that has field. a role for sure but like I I can't do the I can't do it <laughs> what is this this is the seventh season now was it six I don't know hundredth I don't know yeah it's like seventh season. speaking of it's like groundhog day there's definitely <laughs> it's topical but like I do feel like some days I wake up and I'm like I've I've read this article before, you know, I've, I've, I've know. seen this exact quote before. And then you're like, no, this is just, they're just doing I it again. Know. I know. But I mean, like, it's, he's not even the only one in, in the outfield with these types of volatile projections. Right. Like you have Ian Happ had a great end 2021, but his projection is 1.7, dude. And it's, it's below, it's below league average for a full-time starter. And Hap did adjust. I give him a lot of credit for doing so in a quick amount of time, and I was skeptical he could even do it. But you know, 
to his credit, he did it. Still, in my mind, I need to see more, right? And I think, if you, again, if you want to compete or at least put yourself in the conversation that competing is a possibility, those can be two separate type of goals, you also, in my mind, need some type of plan B for Ian Happ in case he does have to go through a similar type adjustment phase. And he may be out of those chances. He may be out of those phases where at that point, it's just like, you know what? This guy can't adjust in a timely, efficient manner. So that's Happ. He's in left field, according to the zips on these projections. Center field, you know, you have Ortega, and you do have Hap, and you you can slot in Clint Frazier maybe, but he's uh, more so projected for the corner outfield. Center field, the sum war there is also 1.7. So across the outfield, you have a pretty confident, low, below-league average war projection for every slot. They, they got to improve in those categories, and... How they do that is going to be creative. You do have Nick Castellanos out there. You do have Schorber out there. Schorber with the defensive issues. You know, I don't know how to go about it strategically, but it has to be done. And at least in my mind, like you kind of need maybe like two outfielders to compete for that last spot. And that may be what they end up doing. They've been connected to... uh, uh, a power Japanese slugger, uh, Suzuki, recently. I don't know how valid that is. There's also reports that he's connected to the Red Sox with high confidence. But they got to improve the outfield. The way to get there, uh, you know, I'm not sure. Right. I, I think what we, what we, I don't want to say what we do know, um, but what I think you can be confident in, like the Cardinals and the Brewers are solid. I don't think either of them are elite or going to be in that kind of tier that we've seen, you know, maybe the Dodgers add in some years where they're pushing over 105 wins or something like that. I don't think those two teams are in those categories, barring any further moves from them. Uh, But, you know, especially with Milwaukee, and we've seen this in the past few years, like the way that they've built their pitching staff, it raises their floor as a team. Um, it just, it, it, it makes it harder for them to be awful or like really bottom out, even if things don't go well. We've just seen that. I think we have to admit that about them at this point. Um, St. Louis, you know, always kind of a, a bit of a wild card with how they go about things. They, they had an, an older staff last year, so we'll see what they end up doing. But you, you just, I think at this point, you can be confident that if the Cubs truly want to view themselves as having a chance, even if it, as we've talked about, would rely on things really breaking their way and going their way and like a couple guys or a a handful of guys hitting that upper tier of outcomes. If you, if you want that to be, to have a chance to compete in this division, you're probably a a few moves away from being able to like really be able to say that and and not that you'd be guaranteeing it but to to have that chance at that because like at the moment that it's it's a slim it's it's slim there there's a there's a there's way too many and again it could happen I don't want to say that it couldn't but you'd be asking a lot it would be miraculous to a degree 
I mean, miraculous is a strong word there, Corey. You know, you never know. You never know what baseball. I, uh, I, I, I think <laughs> maybe miraculous is a strong word, but like I think if we were looking, as I said, if we were looking back on things and it was like, yeah, Clint Frazier was amazing, and Frank Schwindel really is that player, and Nico Horner played a hundred different positions, and he was great at all of them. Like I, you know, that's a lot, man. You know, I get and it. And the Cubs I are winning it. all these games with a staff that throws ninety miles an hour and just gets ground ball after ground ball, like. Maybe not miraculous, but like that's a lot. That's asking a lot. That I I, spring training is already going to get delayed. Probably, I don't need this negativity in my life right now. You got that's being negative. It kind of is being negative. That that the currently constructed Chicago Cubs aren't great. That's being negative. I feel like you just said like they need a a miracle to be even thinking about competing. Right? That's kind of negative. I mean, it's fair. It's fair. I'm not disagreeing with you. I didn't mean you. it in that strong of a way. I've, I said I a few it. times that they certainly I know, could. I know, I know, I know. I'm just, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm poking fun at Really you, what I'm like getting from- at is like to get to the point where when Jed says we want to be competitive, but also kind of not mortgage the future too much, right now as constructed, I don't think he's offering up a good faith version of that. That's kind of what I mean. I think you're a few moves away from when he says that. You can be like, yeah, I think that's what he's offering up here on this roster. Like, or at least there's the the realistic potential for it. Yeah. I mean, well, that's, that's the reason for like the, the, the negativity, I guess, that a lot of Cubs fans have with this roster. And it's all justified. I'm not saying that's like irrational or whatever. It is justified. But at the same time, like, you can recognize that the margin of these projections, and from what we saw last year, they are quite wide. You can see in Frank Schwedell's case where if he is this type of heavy contact, heavy power guy, which his peripherals do suggest he is quite capable of doing that in a sustainable fashion, then you know that does bolster the Cubs' win projection. Now for Patrick Wisdom, he does have the strikeout contact issues, low 60% contact rates. The discipline's not quite what you want for someone with that low contact. That does signal, hey, these projections, these lower-level projections are probably more confident than than someone like Frank Schwindel's. So I understand that. But on the current market right now, you can see guys that do fit that type of short-term mindset, still looking towards the future with these prospects like Brennan Davis coming up soon. And you can, I'll list a few guys here now. In the outfield, you have, for example, uh, Jock Peterson's back on the market. You have Kyle Schwarber, who I just mentioned. You have Eddie Rosario, who is that type of heavy contact guy that had success with the Braves last year. You do have, if the DH is open, if you want to use the DH in that role, you have Jorge Soler, just won the World Series MVP out in right field. If you want some more defensive stability, you have Kevin Pillar on the market. You have Marwin Gonzalez, who's getting older, but he does have that positional flexibility all across the diamond. And then you have Saya Suzuki, who's coming over from Japan. So there, And I'm not even mentioning Chris Bryant, right? I mean, oh. I, 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 I am mentioning him. I'm not going to lie. But he's out there too, right? And you talk about flexibility. He's like the poster child for flexibility right now. So you can, I think, given the short-term window, once this negotiation process hopefully ends, you might have guys trying to scramble to get a contract and the Cubs are in a prime position to offer a competitive playing time, to offer 
a potential competitive team and all the luxuries that you get for playing with a big market team in Chicago. I do think they're positioned well to make moves and to at least put themselves in the in the conversation for competing. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it's a wait and see thing. Don't know how Jed is going to approach this. Don't know how this is all going to look. If you know there are rule changes that are agreed upon, how that's going to affect things. But at least at the moment, like I think there's definitely a realistic scenario where this kind of works out for the Cubs. Um, at least, you know, again, within reason to what their stated kind of goals are for this upcoming season. Um, so I, I, I do just want to finish on, on something you kind of touched on, Brendan, which is like the prospects and, and things like that. Just wanted to note um, that we did get a, a 15 ranking from Baseball America today for the Cubs prospect system. And the the reason that I think that's been perceived as interesting to a lot of people is that represents an improvement um, from where they ranked not too long ago. Um, You know, recently, I think they were in the 20s. So just with some of the stuff that has gone on in the offseason, kind of being able to see some of these guys, their improvements and things like that, they've they've jumped up a bit and that's without some of these guys you know obviously being able to play full seasons at higher levels and and sort of show off some of these improvements more so than just say what they did in in short sprints or in the Arizona Fall League stuff like that we we've talked about a good bit of that uh but what the, the really the only reason i i bring that up we've talked a lot about you know some of the prospects and things like that is they're you know they're moving up in, in some of these rankings from some of these well-respected publications. And it's just worth checking in on because obviously there was a significant amount, uh, there, there was a lot put into these guys. Like obviously those trades were a big deal. They, they caused a lot of us a lot of emotional grief and, and anger and, and all that other stuff. And at the very least, you want to see the results coming forward. And we may not see it at the major league level immediately, but it's good to see like that people who pay attention to this stuff are recognizing like, yeah, this system is is looking in better shape. And hopefully once these guys get out there to playing at higher levels and being able to show their stuff in new leagues and things like that, they continue to go even higher. Yeah, you're seeing all of those guys right now in that mini camp out in Mesa. So they are progressing faster than other teams especially in the division with promoting their prospects and and getting them all the resources that they need so it does feel as if the tides are turning a little bit and when there's discussions about who's the second best prospect who's the sixth best prospect and the sixth best prospect is the second best prospect in some of these leaderboards that's a good sign that's suggesting that you have all these wildly varied opinions that go in the positive direction where some guys really like Peter Crow Armstrong and other guys really like Owen Casey. Other guys really like Reggie Preciado. And in some instances, those guys will be top three. And in other instances, they'll only be top 10 on the Cubs leaderboard. And because of that, I like the diversity of opinions. And it does suggest there's a lot of strengths on this roster right now in, in, in their farm system and all it kind of takes just a year or two to really get them going have some success and you'll see those leaderboards start to be updated with more guys in the top overall 100 yeah so that is kind of where we are at so again you know we kind of touch on it a little bit but like pretty much the uh the news is not much in terms of where the progress is the talks 
seem to be pretty slow. They're they're still as it, at least in my reading of it, they they are kind of ironing out some of the smaller issues. They have yet to touch on, um, or at least hammer out kind of the the bigger ones. One of them being like the luxury tax threshold and and some of that stuff. So there's a ways to go here. Why the the pace is so slow or everything like that? I don't know. I I, I really don't. Um, there's there's clearly not the sense of urgency that maybe us fans feel. I am not a uh, labor negotiator, so I can't tell you exactly what all of it means and, and why it it's, you know, not just like meeting all the time until they figure it out. I don't know, but it's, it's not great guys. I, I, you know, there's, there's not really any sugarcoating that I think at this point for me, like, I'm just hoping that the season starts on time. Um, that's, oh, that's pretty much where I've moved to like, I, you know, the the spring training stuff seems inevitable that at least there's going to be some delay in that even if it's just the reporting let alone the games and stuff like that but at the you know as long as we can start the season on time that would be fine by me but that's that's where we're at uh Corey they better start this on time man that's all I gotta say I can't I mean what are they doing here let's let's go let's get this going if they're making concessions speed them up let's get these guys into Mesa and get the season going come on yeah, that is uh, pretty much the deal, and uh, it's it's going to get, you know, we've kind of talked about it, it's going to get increasingly weirder that, like, there's no baseball stuff, because we're, we're not quite at that point, but, like, really, like, two weeks from now is when we should be getting, like, people showing up, the fun content, like, all that other all that other stuff, the the social media teams being able to kind of like truly thaw out for the winter and, and start getting back in with the fans and stuff. And it's going to start feeling pretty weird when we're getting none of that. It's weird enough that this, you know, it's been months now since we've even had like anything happen, right? Uh, but going to get weirder. So that's where we are. I wish I had better news for you. So uh, as always, if, if we get a new CBA or, or something significant happens, we'll jump on right away. Otherwise, we will talk to you guys next week. And as always, appreciate you guys, you know, being flexible with us schedule-wise. We're going to come to you no matter what, at least once a week, even if, you know, the league is still in a lockout. Uh, But we do, especially as the reports come out that maybe they're going to talk this day or that day, we do kind of try to wait. Um, At this point, it's been hopelessly, um, you know, (laughs) but just in case some sort of big news comes out that that breaks in these talks and things like that. So uh, appreciate you guys being flexible with us, not necessarily sticking to just one day. And as always, appreciate you guys supporting the Cubs-related podcast while the sport has been in a lockout for the last few months. We will talk to you guys next week. And as always, go Cubs.